It is Thursday, the 26th of September. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson. And Will, we didn't know if I'd make it to today's recording, but I'm here. And that's how much I love this show. I'm dedicated to the to the Two Guys, One Cup fans. What did we decide we called them? Cuppers? No, there was a name for them. I forgot. You know what I love the most is that uh, I thought you were going to say, I'm so dedicated to the two fans of this podcast. <laughs> I didn't realize you were going to say the name of this podcast. I was like, look, I know there's more than two. If we're just doing this for two other people, then why bother recording it? We could just actually just meet up with those two people and tell us them our stupid opinions about football. Well, there may be only two listeners to this show, but uh, as of a couple of days ago, there may be three. Well, there'll definitely be three because uh, I'm very happy to announce I had a baby girl a couple of days ago. You had a baby girl in grand yep. final week. Congratulations. Yeah. So that means her birthday is pretty much never going to be celebrated by people because it'll be grand final week and they'll all be having grand final parties. So she won't be able to have her own birthday party and she'll resent the fact that you guys couldn't have planned it just a little bit better. That was a definite discussion we had, my wife and I, when it were leading up to the delivery date and it looked like she was going to go over by a couple of days and I was like, oh man, I said, you know what? we should make sure we don't go on to grand final weekend because if she does and she's born grand final weekend, she's never going to have anyone attend her party ever. <laughs> right. Cause even if she wants to have a party of her own, even if she's not interested in the grand final, other people will be. Now uh, I did record a backup, uh, an emergency episode with Limo just in case you weren't able to make it. Yeah. Yeah. This is what grand final week is about. Yeah. It's about speculation about whether people will be able to get up for the big yeah. match. And yeah, I was doing it out early in the week. You re- you know, I was, and, doing a fit, uh, yeah. I was doing a fitness test, so you had Limo in the twos, and you're putting him, him through his paces in case he's a late call-up. Makes sense. Yeah, he was training with the senior squad, Yeah, and uh, but you've managed to make it to the podcast. Uh, one of the questions that came up when I was talking to Limo uh, was the idea of what are going to be your rules around your daughter's, what team she barracks for in the AFL. Will she have any choice? to be a St Kilda fan or is this an opportunity for you to have a, a fresh start with a new generation? Well, Michael Chamberlain um, from Junk Time AFL Pod sent me a message yesterday saying he was heading down to Melbourne. Should, and should did mention, it. by the way, this weekend, uh, this Sunday, big live show at the European Beer Cafe, uh, Two Guys, One Cup meets Junk Time AFL Pod. Uh, Charlie will not be there. He will, but no. we'll, we'll call you in or something during yeah. the day, but a, a huge range of guests. It's going to be a really fun show. There are still some tickets available. Uh, yeah, so Michael contacted me yesterday and was like, I'm going to be in Melbourne tomorrow. I'll go past the AFL store. Is there anything you'd like me to get your daughter? Perhaps a Hawthorne beanie. And part of me was in initially offended. And then I was like, that's actually probably a really nice idea. Like maybe he should get my daughter a Hawthorne beanie to ensure that every three years or so, because that's the average, isn't it, right? Haw- Hawks win a flag every three years. She'll have something to cheer about. Because look, here's how I feel about it. If the Saints were a mega successful club or even had a history of success like Carlton or something, like a a proud history and maybe have lost their way in the last 20 years, I would insist that she barrack for that club. But who am I? Who am I to lay this curse upon my daughter? Like, I think if she 
sees it as a bonding experience with her sad old dad, you know, a way to communicate, a way to connect, then that's fine. But like, I wouldn't ever lie to her about what this club is and what they've done. Like, I'm not going to try and sort of like, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm going to, I'm going to be one of those guys who tells it like it is. At the age of three, she's going to get the entire sad history of my football club. Well, see, because this is the thing you got to consider, because I know that when you have a baby, and look, I haven't had one myself, but I've had enough friends who've had babies to understand that one of the things that you worry about is whatever genetic traits you might have that, you know, might be your, you know, like me, for example, I have a genetic disposition to bad hips. I'd be worried if I had a kid that my, you wouldn't want your kid to get your genetic disposition to bad hips. You'd be glad if, you know, your kid was born and they had, you know, really good hips. You'd be like, phew, you know. So isn't that the same about like passing on supporting a team that will never give you any happiness? Don't yeah. you hope that in their generation they get to find some new happiness? Well, the way my I was raised in my house with all eight siblings is you had to back for St Kilda. That was the rule. Like mum wasn't interested in football, but dad was into footy. He backed for the Saints. Therefore, we all had to back for St Kilda. That was just understood. It was never explicitly stated, but you know, that was the vibe. In the same way, we were all raised Catholic, and there was a rule that we all had to go to church until we were 18 years old. Once you moved out of home, you could make your own decisions. But consequently, none of my siblings are practicing Catholics. <laughs> so no. I think maybe I'll take the same point of but view. But how many of them are still practicing St Kilda supporters? Most of them. Yeah. So they yeah. were willing to get rid of their relationship with a higher power <laughs> more easily than they could get rid of their relationship with the St Kilda Football Club. Yeah. They rejected one sort of saints for another sort of saints. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think it was just, I mean, there's there's certain family members who are way more into it than others. But I think it is a case of, um, it's not a, it's no longer about our family watching football together. It's about their families or their partners or their friends watching football together. So I think seeing what's happened with my siblings' kids, only... No, none of them have become Saints supporters. None of my nieces and nephews are St Kilda supporters. I think I think I think even one of my nieces backs for Geelong. She's just completely gone in a completely different direction. Because she likes cats. She's eight years old. She likes cats. There you go. Makes sense. Hard to explain like what a saint is to a child, right? You can't really but a, a cat or a dog is an easy mascot. Yeah, it really is, isn't it? Like, I, I've never thought of how much of the appeal of letting children choose their own football teams is based on just whatever animal they like the best. Yeah. I mean, if there was a team called the Horses, I guarantee there would be a bunch of <laughs> the like ponies. young girls. The Ponies. That's yeah. what it should be. The Tasmanian should call ponies. their team the Ponies. <laughs> well, the Giants might be something like that. You know, Giants have a bit of like a fairy tale kind of association so you might find like you know my daughter's into the giants which i'm all for like i don't know if you've caught giant fever this week will but after the game on the weekend and i think i kind of tipped them i'm pretty you know maybe that spreadsheet uh that got sent to you will explain it but i'm pretty sure i said if toby green suspensions upheld then collingwood are definitely going to lose because their backs are too far from the wall and i think that's exactly that's exactly what happened so I have caught giant fever. I thought it was such an exciting win. I love the way they went about it. They, to me, are the bulldogs of 2016. The way they've just like scrapped and fought and it's us against the world. I'm loving it. I mean, Backs Against, Backs against the Wall has had a good season. Yeah. That's what I'm going to say. If you're testing the theory of Backs Against the Wall, this has been a season where there is a lot of evidence that Collingwood are only at their back, best Backs Against the Wall. They went into that game, the Toby Green thing, the Lucky Whitfield thing, it worked against them. 
yes. their backs were too far away from the wall. Yeah. And it, it, I know you you might not have seen it because you were busy having a baby, but uh, at the end of the game, Nathan Buckley stood in the box no, with I his back it. literally against the wall of the box. And <laughs> so many people sent us that photo going, yeah. look at this. Bucks gets it. Backs against the wall. He knows what went wrong. The backs were not against the wall. It was so... Uh, it, it, it's it's uh, of all the clubs that one must be the, the 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 most accurate truism, right? The backs against the wall. I can't think of another club whose culture or mythology is as uh, consistent as that one. Yeah, and even the way the game was played, right? Because yeah. they go into the game, and you know, like their, their backs are not against the wall. This is the problem. GWS is the underdog, so GWS come out and they start to dominate them. But then as soon as it's half time and GWS are dominating them, well, you know what's happened, Charlie? Their backs are against the wall. They're yeah. in a final with half of yeah. it to go. Their backs are against the wall. So what happens suddenly? They Collingwood start playing Jeremy football. Jeremy Cameron puts some 32 points up in the last quarter. All of a sudden, they come barnstorming, kick three in like under five minutes. Because their backs are finally enough against the wall yeah. to bring it home. And I think that what actually killed them was that a decision. Uh, in the arc, because you know the one that was clearly touched. Yeah. Because that was the one where GWS's backs were back against the wall. That would have yeah. gone against GWS, and that decision has actually cost Collingwood the game. I mean, it's it's hard to get your head around. Like, poor Bucks. Like, think about being a coach, and you've got to do, like, tactics and lines and all this kind of stuff. But then you also have to flip everything on its head to work out almost George Costanza opposites. So I don't know who um, said it this week, but... It, it, um, it, big credit to whoever came up with this concept, but I saw it, which was one day Paul Kelly will write his saddest sports song of all time and it will be called The Ballad of Nathan Buckley. Yeah, I, I did hear that discussion <laughs> where it was talking about is he the un, one of the unluckiest men because he's been so close to premiership so as a close. player and now as a coach. It's like, yeah, but isn't the AFL littered with those kind of stories? I mean, maybe I, maybe not coach and player. But definitely, like, you know, there's lots of players out there who should have won a flag and didn't. Yeah, absolutely there is. But I'm not sure that there's been any who've wanted it as much <laughs> as Nathan who haven't got it. You know, not, like, you know, and Nathan also strikes us as being one of those people that whatever he puts his mind to, he can achieve yeah. that thing. And yeah. the fact that even somebody who, you know, was first this in sort of intense, I'll do anything to compete sort of player, then reinvented himself as this like, you know, Zen. Yeah, Zen guy. But whatever it is, it always ends in disappointment. No matter how, no matter how he rolls that rock up that hill, eventually yeah. it gets to the top and it just rolls back down and he has to go down the bottom and roll it back up again. I mean, we love a specific metaphor on this podcast, and uh, I've just started watching Barry on HBO and the Bill Hader yeah. series, the, which, the, the, where he plays Barry Hall. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> well, no, no, he plays Barry Stoneham. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a great, great series. He plays former Geelong champion Barry Stoneham, <laughs> erstwhile and half forward Barry Stoneham. No, he plays a uh, a hitman who gets involved in these acting classes in LA, and ostensibly it's like a black comedy, but it gets very, very dark. It's a bit like Breaking Bad. And there is a sort of subtext to this, which is that this man 
he is cursed. He is cursed to kill. He's cursed to keep killing. Every time he tries to stop killing, he ends up killing more. He keeps just digging a bigger and bigger hole for himself. And I feel like that is Nathan Buckley. Like, no matter what tactics he tries, no matter how he tries to change his approach, if he's a player, he's a coach, it's like it, it is the rod with which he has to beat himself. His yeah. drive for success is his, also his greatest torment. I mean, it will be the thing that if he eventually achieves it, will make the story the most brilliant story of all. But you mm. do wonder if he's going to be one of those guys who's... It's 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 a bit weird. like Dangerfield is starting to get that thing, right? A mm. champion, champion player who just, you know, is, can't you know, can't win himself a grand final at this stage. And then you, the clock starts to tick a little bit. You know, you yeah. start to get to that point where it's like, well, hang on, is this is this not going to happen? Yeah, I mean, there's been like Chris Grant, Nick Revolt. There's been a bunch, you know, Matthew Pavlich, like Gary Lyon. Abs- absolute champions who just could not get close to it in teams that were competing. I mean, I think mm. there's lots of champions in in teams who never got close, but Chris in teams Grant. that were close, yeah, Chris Grant. I said that. Well, no, I mentioned that, mate. First one off the rank. Scott West. Wow, I don't know. I mean, all I don't the all those Bulldogs players. <laughs> Were you surprised that the Danny green decision, Del Rey. the green decision was upheld? Uh, I, I'm glad that he is able to play a grand final though. Oh, I mean, isn't it just like mouth watering to think about what this guy will do, knowing that there's no like he can't get well, he's not going to get suspended next week. Like whatever he does, it's basically all bets are off. He can just start karate kicking, eye raking, doing whatever the fuck he wants. Well, to me, he's been he, he's been player of the finals. And some people go, well, he missed a game. How can he be player of the finals? But he was best on ground in the first two games, basically, that he played for them in the finals. And then the Ma- thing he needed to do for the team the next week was put their, their backs, the backs, their Collingwood backs away from the wall. Away from the wall. And well, so he's played his role each week. Well, may- maybe arguably not the best, but the most influential, definitely. Yes. And you know exactly. he's influential because even when he's not playing, he's having an influence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's changing the game. And those scenes, like, I'm such a sucker for this sort of stuff, but the story of it, yeah. seeing him and Cornelio and all those guys, you know, just down riding every moment of the last few seconds of that match and then that series of photos where they went from just being distraught, thinking yeah. it was all going to be over, to just that amazing celebration. And seeing just the way the players responded to him and how happy they were for him and how excited they all were. I I, I, I loved it. I I'm definitely got yeah. a little Giants fever. And this is why I'm suggesting with your daughter, you get her on board the Giants because you can never change teams, but you yeah. live in Sydney, yeah, right? Suddenly you can just go, hey, here's something I can do with my daughter. I take her to Giants games. And that means you get to go and watch the Giants, but you're not betraying St. Kilda. You're spending daddy-daughter time with your daughter. Mate. You are, we are on the same wavelength because I, <laughs> I got so excited with the game on the weekend. Like I was up and cheering that last quarter. It was one of the most tense, exciting last quarters. And I was so into it. I was like, you know what? I like this feeling and I live in Sydney and I like that stadium and I've been there a couple of times. I mean, would it hurt if I got a Giants membership for next year? I mean, there may be a lot of people getting Giants memberships next year, but what's the harm in getting a Giants membership and then, you know, occasionally going to a game and who knows how long it'll be before the Saints are good again. But, you know, <laughs> at least there's a team up there that I really like watching. And I do, I was saying this last year when I went to that game with um, Alex Williams. I remember coming on this show and talking about how impressed I was with the Giants culture, how I thought it was going to be like a total, 
you know, um, uh, like smoke and mirrors kind of expansion club. But when I got there, everyone who had an orange and charcoal scarf on was serious about their footy. Even at the game, we, the final we went to a couple of weeks or three weeks ago, like I was sitting in the Bulldogs area and, you know, everyone was quite vocal there. But when I went looking for my hot jam donuts and listening to those giant fans, mate, they were like into it, like cutthroat, Died in the wool, hardcore AFL fans. So it's like, sure. I mean, I can, I can, I'm, I'm bi-coastal. Can't I have a second team? And if my daughter's into it, great. Well, your daughter can have a team. And you'll be able to tell her. You'll be able to tell her the mythology of the GWS Giants. You'll be like, they won their first premiership the year you were born. And you can actually tell how old you are by counting the amount of premierships they have now. Because <laughs> they've won every one of them since then. Well, it's an amazing marketing move. Well, not marketing, but I remember us talking last year or maybe the year before about the Giants, you know, they have adopted the villain role of the AFL, you know, they're the Cobra Kai, but something has shifted. Like every good narrative, you know, uh, the bad guy, and another uh, very specific metaphor, Spike in Buffy. <laughs> Starts off as a great villain in season three and then becomes one of your most beloved heroes by the end. And I feel like that's what's happened with GWS is that we all yeah. were like... Or like boo. the Fast and the Furious fr- franchise, you know? <laughs> Jason like, Statham. They, they, Jason Statham or The Rock, they start out as the enemies, but eventually they're just part of the gang in yeah. ways that we can't quite understand. But I think it helps that they were playing Collingwood. Like if they were yeah. playing like another, if the if Melbourne, for instance, had made it to the finals this year, or North Melbourne, or a scrappy kind of mid-table Victorian team that you know has been starved. Well, even success. Brisbane, to be honest, I think because oh, yeah, I think Brisbane are the uh, yeah even of the interstaters, Brisbane are the you know they're the ones you have affection for. Yeah. But I do think that because they're going up against such big powerhouse teams, so Collingwood and now Richmond. I've I've been noticing that most neutrals, particularly here in Victoria, are, are, are going to go for GWS because mm. there's no particular like Richmond have won theirs now and Richmond are a huge club again now like a hundred thousand mm. members and Richmond fans are up and about you know yeah. there's no sympathy for Collingwood you know if you don't barry for Collingwood it's anyone but Collingwood so I think the neutrals there is a great deal of affection for GWS yeah and I love this is what I love about the AFL compared to the NRL. I saw some uh, a guy I follow a Sydney guy on Twitter who's not in, he's into NRL doesn't follow AFL and he was like oh well I'm gonna I'm suddenly excited about the AFL Grand Final because it's great that there's a team that you know is going to piss off all those Victorians I'm going to support them and I was like mate you got it wrong we're not like that it's not like the Melbourne Storm in the NRL I think you know by and large AFL fans want to embrace a national competition and we also respect teams that do it the right way what i think people are responding to with the giants isn't the fact that they're just a team filled with superstars although that is attractive it's the culture and the way they have played in this final series like i said it's very reminiscent of 2016 it's the physical us against the world you know we're just doesn't we don't give a shit we're just going to throw everything you know everything at this and that's what's won me over is I used to think of them as downhill skiers, but now I see them as like, nah, man, like Phil Davis standing on the ground when his entire body was in pieces. Like, I've got to say, this weekend for football just crystallized, not that, you know, it's ever been any doubt about this, but why I was never built to to be an athlete because Jack Graham in that Richmond game dislocating his shoulder fucking four times and then Phil Davis. And I'm just like, Mate, just get off. Just sit on the. You've done enough. Just get some ice on that on that finger and that shoulder and that fucking knee. 
oh, that calf, it was just amazing. And that's another narrative that makes you go, well, wouldn't it be great to see Phil Davis? Like, what a story that would be. You know, he was dead. <laughs> Basically, his body was broken to pieces. The prelim final, and he came back and, and you know, was there for a grand final. He is one of those guys that uh, GWS clearly knew what they were doing. Because when they recruited Phil Davis from Adelaide, I must admit, I didn't know much about Phil Davis, but he appeared to me to be a bit of a sort of boring conservative backman. And I was like, they've recruited Phil Davis. They've made him like captain of the Giants. I don't really understand what's going on here. And mm. he has turned into one of the most impressive AFL players there is, not just on the field where he is an absolute out-and-out champion, but off the field as well. Like, the way that he speaks, the way that he represents that club, the way that he has clearly shaped, you know, the culture at that club, but also just, I just kind of love that whole, like, he kind of, his look has a bit of that, whatever that swagger is that GWS have, you know, yeah. the long hair, the sort of, you know, yeah. lazy top knot, the, the big, yeah. like, you know, black glasses that he wears that you're not sure. Does he actually need to wear those glasses? Or yeah, the, bar- the barista. Like the barista. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's the inner city barista look. Yeah. Him, Himmelberg, Haynes, they've all got that. Yeah. Are you studying something? Are you studying like environmental science, but you're also playing a band? <laughs> um, so I... Yeah, okay. So what are the big stories then? If you if you think about this week, um, what are what are the stories? Oh, let's start with the Brownlow. What were your what did you think of the Brownlow? Uh well I only caught the last sort of like six rounds, by which stage, you know, Nat Fife seemed to have it in the bag. You um, would have caught my favourite bit of the entire Brownlow night though. Which, which was? was when because Gil McLaughlin I thought did a really good they cut an hour out of uh, the broadcast. And yeah. so I love that he was speeding through the votes that didn't matter and leaning into the ones that did. But it was clear in the room that, Pat, yeah, Patrick Cripps was the sort of the room favourite yeah. to win the award. And he got out to such an imposing lead. And then he was getting fucked by the fact that other Carlton players had started to play well. <laughs> and there is one in particular where Ed Kerno gets the three votes. And it is like... Gill has licked a battery acid. The words just spit out of his mouth. E. Kerno. And the whole room just goes, oh. Yeah. I thought there's a bit of like Osher Ginsburg about, you know, we'll be we'll come back after the break. The, those pauses before the three votes were announced. I'm like, Gill, they're getting longer and longer. Yeah, it, there was definitely, um, he was leaning into the performance of it all. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I thought the top five is, pretty much what you'd expect. I mean, it's still pretty much the midfielder's medal. Clearly, I don't watch enough Frio games because I had no idea that, like, Fife had had such an outstanding season. I mean, they just love him. Who doesn't? Well, he went He went in third favourite. He was captain of the All-Australian team. Like, he thinks he had. he's had a better season um, than when he actually won the Brownlow. Mm. But the interesting thing about this year was players getting votes in losing teams. Like him and Cripps both benefited from the fact that when their teams lost, they still got votes. And that's a bit of a change up from recent years, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. like and But even they asked him, like, you know, why is it do you think? Because I don't think he'd ever got a vote before this Brownlow medal night. He'd never got a vote in a losing team. Right. And so they actually asked him about that on the night, like about that stat. And... um and he actually said, well, you know, I'm captain now and maybe, you know, maybe I feel like there's a responsibility to still put in more even when we're not mm. going as well. And it felt it felt like a little insight into Nat Fife actually slipped through. And then he went, 
full Nat Fife, Nat Life, because he's got up on stage and he's like, there's so many people I could thank. Uh, doesn't thank his teammates because he can't <laughs> doesn't remember most of their names. He's like, you know, old mate and what's his <laughs> yeah. face. There's the Thanks big guy and the little guy who retired so He can year. remember those names. <laughs> yeah, he, he's definitely trolling us. That headline the next day and that photo where he recreated the, the beanie and the brown low photo with uh, my Pilates teacher, was my, my spiritual Pilates teacher, was my inspiration. I'm like, he's listening to this show, isn't he? Like, that is bait. <laughs> Dangling Did you in read front the story about how he met, met his Pilates teacher? No. Apparently he was just in a cafe and she came up to me, she, yeah, saw him and was like, hey, I'm a Pilates teacher. I think I can work with you and make you better, fix you up. And that's that's the life he lives. He was just that in- is the Zoolander style life <laughs> that this guy is living where he's just swanning around in a cafe and hot Pilates instructors are just coming up going, I can fix you, you beautiful man. I love. I'd love to. I'd love imagining that he's in a cafe and you've just got Phil Davis working the coffee machine. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on a second. We should talk yeah. a little bit about the uh, the other game, which was uh, yes, Richmond, let's do Richmond that. Geelong. Um, equally entertaining. I really enjoyed that. At one stage, I was when half time. I was like, oh man, could the cats do this? But. As the Tigers have proved again and again in this last kind of 10 weeks or so, they're just that much better than everyone else going around, which, you know, I think is such a tantalizing proposition for this weekend because, you know, if we're talking about, you know, the DNA of a club and, you know, there was a bit of a Richmondy kind of like flashback last year in the prelim. They're facing a team in which they're going to be outright favorites in which they're, you know, most notorious players just come back from suspension. Like, it's just, it is just delicious what could happen. I mean, I'm not sure I'm convinced. I'm not as convinced about this as I am about, as I was about Collingwood losing. But, you know, there's just something about the way they came back, I thought was so heroic because they had injuries themselves in that game. You know, Jack Graham and Trent Cotchin and Dusty was limping at one point. And I thought, oh shit, you know, maybe the Cats have got him here. But no, no, they found that extra gear and just showed that they're easily the best team in the league, which just sets up beautifully. <laughs> For this weekend, doesn't it? I mean, they faked us out a little. I thought it was going to happen again. Did At you? half time, I really did feel like, oh, hang on, this is going to happen again. But no, they were very good in the end. And Graham, I thought, was really heroic. And, you know, it's a big weekend for the expansion clubs because obviously, you know, we've got, uh, you know, GWS in the final and the captain of the Gold Coast. So it's a big win <laughs> for the competition. No, it's, I mean, that's he why was they amazing. got Tom Lynch, right? What you a know, you, that, you were just like, that's why we got him. I think it's also like a great sort of example of maybe, um, you know, if a player hasn't done a preseason and you're in a really good side, just play him every week. Because yeah. if you're good enough That's to carry his pre-season. him. You know what yeah. his preseason was? <laughs> Rounds one through 10. <laughs> yeah, because he, he was so good. And it's interesting too, because, you know, in 2017 when the Tigers won, I feel like a lot of that was off the back of Jack Revolt, his enthusiasm and tack on the ball and stuff. And he's well, well below his best at the moment. But wouldn't it be great? I mean, if Richmond were to win, wouldn't it be great to see, you know, uh, Revolt just like find something deep, stick that chest out like he does and, you know, take and a big And then jump up on stage with Tones and I and sing Dance Monkey. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's exciting. I mean, 
there's a few stories to come out of the Geelong side of things. People have the knives out for Chris Scott, clearly. Every journalist has not enjoyed interviewing him over the last few weeks. I think it started with the whole, why don't we get a home final thing? And then they've been hammering him on the selections. Why didn't Butzars go to Tom Lynch? But, you know, I feel like if you finish on top of the ladder, you've got to be doing something, right? Like, I don't know that he suddenly just forgot how to coach in the last four weeks. Well, also, he got them to a prelim where they were well in front for a lot of the game. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I think people are really harsh on Chris Scott. I know yeah. they haven't had like the you know they get they get they continually get to the finals. He has a wonderful win loss record. Like they consistently reinvent that team down there. But you know who's hardest on him is Geelong supporters. Yeah. Because he came in and he won a premiership and they're like, well, he just took over a good team. But that was a long time ago. He has kept that being a good team by reinventing it and rebuilding it and like serving the town of Geelong well by you can go to the Mm. footy most weekends in Geelong and go and see your team win a game of football. Like, I don't know what it is. He must sometimes sit at home and go, what do you fuckers want? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there is, I guess for them, there is this anxiety around next year because... Who knows if Gaz will go around next year? I mean, I don't think it'd be, uh, you know, he's got to a point where he can call, make that's his call entirely and, you know, good on him. But if Tim Kelly goes, which is like 95% likely to happen, then all of a sudden. If they can get the deal done. I mean, Brownlow Knight just made that deal even harder and harder to do. Yeah. And if they do get him, if, if the deal gets done, they're going to get some really decent, you know, future picks, you know, in return for that. Yeah, but I don't know that that's what Geelong supporters want. Because if you look at their top end age-wise, like it's Tom Hawkins, Harry Taylor, uh, Gary Ablett. I mean, Danger must be pushing 30 now as well. So they're not going to be around when those draft picks come good. Well, but the thing about Geelong is they got to the prelim this year. There's nothing to say that, you know, they couldn't get to the prelim again next year. And then once you get to that stage, it's a roll of the dice. Who knows, you know? Like, yeah, I mean, I think they roll the dice one more time. If they can keep Kelly, I reckon Ablett should play for another year and they have one more go at, at winning the whole thing. Yeah, they should, if, they, if they do that, they should just put Ablett on the Tom Lynch program and not let him, don't have him do a preseason. Just bring him in round four. He can start his preseason round four. And then well, he played get... 23 games or something yeah. ridiculous and, this year. And he's year, 47 like, years old. <laughs> yeah, play 16 games. Just like give him like a four four week break in the middle of the season. Let him go on holidays. It is interesting too, you know, when you hear the sort of scuttlebutt about why he should retire. And it's kind of like the same reason as people want to put grandpa in a nursing home. It's like, I don't like seeing him, like seeing Gary, but a yard slower, missing shots on goal. It's kind of like it reminds people of their own mortality. It's like, no, no. I only want to remember Gaz as being this like dynamic midfielder come forward. And it's like, well, Hang on, can't we just like have a bit of respect for a guy who's maybe lost a yard or two, but still has like, you know, footy smarts and stuff? Is it a thing of like out of sight, out of mind? We just need to just like put him to pasture. Don't even, don't even like let him go out gracefully by reducing his number of games. It's like you're either gun or you're not. There's no interim period. Well, it, that's what it feels like everybody's cheering for. Like the, the reason that people, he made the All Australian squad of 40, he had a pretty good season. He doesn't need to be their best player anymore. That's not his role in the team. And yet mm. people really want him to try mostly because they're just watching him be not quite as good as he used to be. 
Yeah. It's like wanting one of your favorite bands to not tour anymore because they're not as good as they used to be. You know what? You don't have you don't have to go and watch it if you don't like it. But it's still pretty good seeing them sing those songs. And I just feel like if you did a Lee Matthews and just parked him in your forward pocket, fifteen games of the year, like that's a that's a pretty like handy forward pocket to have. He would be good for a goal or two a game. Well, as someone said on the radio, I think it might have been Jimmy Bartel during the week. They were like, "So you're going to replace a guy who's kicked like you know." 35 goals for the season, made the All-Australian top 40 with some kid will give you like two tackles and eight kicks in a game. What's the point of that? And I was like, yeah, what is the point of that? Yeah, I think they should I think they should go around again. And also, too, it's just like, you know, Ablett and Geelong, they are such a proud club and there is such like history to that name. You've got to keep, got to keep Gaz there and listen to one of his sons <laughs> can get drafted, right? Oh, yeah, I mean, just... What, isn't it just better to go if Gary Ablett's there? Because you never know. You might do something. Yeah. He might not, but he might, and that's almost exciting enough. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, what people are sad about is the top-end things he used to do is no longer there, but everything else he's fine at. Like, you know, he's not making, like, terrible mistakes where he's dropping marks and things like that. It's just he doesn't have that burst of speed or, you know, that precision with his kicking or penetration, but everything else he's pretty good at. Yeah, it's basically people going, oh, gross. He's not the best player in the game anymore. <laughs> I can't see him like this. He's only yeah. in the top 40 players in the game. He's only in the best six players in his team. This is, oh, it's disgusting. It's gross. How can he even How can he even just be one of the best 40 players in the league? Ugh. It's, um, it was great seeing Dusty come back in that game, don't you think? The way that Dusty... Because he looked shot early. I was yeah. like, oh, this is no good. But he's just such a gun. Like, I mean, what a weapon. A guy that you can just put forward anytime you want. Or, you know, even if you just want to put him on the inside and he just dishes a handball, he can't kick on that leg or whatever it is. You can't tackle him. Like, the guy is just maybe one of the most complete footballers. What I'd like to see them do, if, you know, Hardwick wants to throw the magnets around, is let's start him in the back line. <laughs> what would Dusty do in the back line? I'd be really interested to see. Just put him on the back um, flank. Have him deliver the ball. Yeah, I think he would lose interest. He'd be <laughs> like, this is, this is your basher territory, mate. This is Hoolies. This is the Hoolies zone. Oh, fuck. I'm, not, I'm not a Hoolie dooly. I am Dusty Martin. I'm a forward half operator. He was awesome, basher Hoolie. I reckon one of the most underrated halfbacks going around. I reckon Dustin Martin continues the forward 50 he's roped off VIP area. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> this is this is where Dusty plays. Basher, Basher does his best work down there. Yeah, but he's amazing, Basher. Did you see that article that was written today, which was all about when Dusty could have gone to gold, uh, GWS? And it's like, oh, I remember that. That felt like a yeah. million years ago when he was unhappy at Richmond and they didn't know whether or not he was worth persisting with. I mean, well, Essendon got rid of Basher Hooley for no draft picks. Is that right? Yeah. Couldn't get the deal done, so we went to the preseason draft and Richmond picked him up for free, basically. Ah, oh, man. That's what you want. That's what I want. Can St Kilda do that? Can we just get like a couple of guns for nothing? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what you want. You want you want guns for nothing. Yeah. I mean, that, I, I guess that's your ideal Tim Kelly situation, right? Tim Kelly goes into the, the draft, but then he goes to Gold Coast or whoever will have the first pick in the draft. Yeah. All right. Now, before we uh, talk about the grand final yes. predictions, you said you had someone send in some info yeah, about I'll the show this, this year. Um, so, uh, all right. 
Um, uh, hey, Will, this is from Josh Sanders. Hey, Will, excuse the time I stayed up late to finish this one off and it took way longer than expected. I've attached the document below, but as a good producer or learning to be, I've collated a few fast facts you and Charlie will find fun slash interesting. So Josh uh, works uh, at uh, Southern Cross Osterio as a panel operator out of uh, Brisbane, it looks like. Um, and he is, uh, him and a mate have got together, uh, put together a spreadsheet and Josh has given us a, uh, a bit of a breakdown. So, hey, well, just before, um, right. can you can you just pause a sec? I just need to go check. Yeah, on my go. daughter. Hold on a sec. So Josh is a uh, radio producer, and so mm-hmm. he's done a good job of giving us uh, a breakdown of not only the tips, but then some sort of interesting facts about the tips. Okay. So, uh, all right. Overall, here we go. Um, Charlie, your total tips uh, for the home and away season out of 198 tips was 118, which means uh, 60% tipping ratio, which yeah. is not too bad. Not a bad win-loss record, 60%. It's Don Pike, I believe. It's a Don Pike's coaching record with 60%, so I'm as good as Don uh, Pike. Average tips per round, five. So not again, bad. not too bad. Uh, your worst round was uh, round 16, round 8, round 3, where you only got 3. And your best was round 19, where you got 8. Oh, impressive. There you go. Uh, I have uh, managed uh, 130 out of 198, yeah. which gives me a 66%. Uh, um, average tips, 6 around. I've only had... Uh, so my worst round was worse than yours, though. Round 4, I only tipped 2. <laughs> And uh, in round 23, 21, and round 10, I tipped eight. Awesome. All right. Uh, let me just say, I tip for comedy. Comedy is my mistress. <laughs> and a lot of the time, I will tip just for laughs. So if I took it seriously. And what I would like to say is, I know nothing about the game. No one knows anything about the game. This has been the most unpredictable season uh, of all time. So any, uh, any inference... That this actually means you know things about football <laughs> would be misleading at best. Um, all right. Lock of the week. Uh, Charlie, uh, 88 out of 20 lock of the weeks. Um, at a 40% rate, your lock of the weeks. Whereas I operated, I only made 12 locks of the week, but 7 from 12, 53%. Oh, right. So you lock things in more often, but... <laughs> But more unsuccessful. Well, uh, go go back to my original comment about tipping for comedy. <laughs> the more outrageous the lock, the funnier I think it is. Uh, the week that Lemo was on the show, Lemo tipped GWS to win the premiership and Tim Kelly to win the Brownlow. Wow! And I tipped Geelong to win the premiership and Tim Kelly to win the Brownlow. So, is this the episode uh, you just recorded? No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be. That'd, yeah, the one we recorded this morning. Right. Oh, right, is it this morning? <laughs> No, the one we recorded mid-season when you were away. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. He tipped GWS um, mid-season. Yeah. Where were they ranked mid-season? I thought they I were mean, struggling, that would, were that, they? That would have been a pretty bold tip at that wow. stage. Wow. Does Lemo know stuff about football? Um, well, more than us. I mean, he has a proper like footy show on the, on the ABC. He must know a bit more than us. He was host of the footy show for, you know, three weeks or something. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I guess he does. Um, all right. Outlandish tips. Here's a little breakdown of uh, 
outlandish tips. Uh, Will decided to tip a tie twice this home oh. and away season. Both times, no such tie occurred. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. In round 21, the Richmond v. Carlton game looked to be so dull, Charlie decided to both tip the crowd numbers. I'd forgotten about this. Charlie tipped 45,000 and Will tipped 50,000. Will was the closest because it was 51,039 turning up at the MCG. Oh, this came after a blinding round of tips for Will where he scored eight out of nine. So that was my my radar. Crowd sizes, tipping, that was my sweet spot. Whatever was going on that week, I need to replicate. Um, All right. Adam Spencer. Oh, here we go. Adam Spencer came in for Will in round seven and tipped that GWS would win by eight goals against St Kilda. They won by seven goals and three behinds. (laughs) Not bad. Uh, Charlie tipped that the round 21 Q clash would be devastating for the Suns with Brisbane winning by 100 points. Brisbane won by 91 points. Not bad, Charlie. My radar was on. Charlie was worried that his round 21 tips would look identical to Caroline Wilson's as she got as he got all of his footy knowledge for that week by listening to her podcast. I fact-checked this. <laughs> and Caro and Charlie tipped the same for five of nine games that round. Wow. <laughs> I'm a devotee, what can I say? Uh... Some big themes for Charlie this year was the shinbone spirit at North Melbourne and Chris Fagan falling over, spilling a sandwich all over himself. The shinbone spirit appeared in 12 of 23 episodes and Chris Fagan's mishaps in 5 of 23. I mean, you know, it's dignified for a coach of the year, right? Um, uh, I will say this. Uh, he says, please credit Bert Johnson for creating the spreadsheet. So uh, credit to you, Thanks, Bert. Bert Johnson as well. Thank you, Josh Sanders and Thanks, Bert Josh. Johnson for that. That was fun. All right. Let's look ahead to the big dance. Well, um, I guess we can tip winner, Norm Smith medalist and crowd size. I guess it'd be interesting considering yes. that GWS Let's is one of the teams. crowd size too. That's good. Why not? Um, so I was surprised to learn that GWS have 30,000 members. So, yes, they do have 30,000 members, but, you know, it's we don't know exactly. How many um, of those are, like, paid up on how many are, like, hey, we'll send you a scarf in the mail if you're Dr. Chris Brown, <laughs> if you come to a few of our games. Yeah, and how many of them are pets and... Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, we don't know, but let's just say they have 30,000 members. Why not? Yeah. Let's yeah. say they have 30,000 members. They only get 17,000 tickets or something anyway. So yeah. that I'm, means that, you know, they, there may even be GWS fans who miss out on the grand final. So, <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, all right, I'm going to say, I reckon like Richmond on there, if Richmond were playing their reserve side, they would get 90 plus. So I'm going to say 93,000. I'm going to say 96,500. Okay. All right. Uh, can you tip uh, what two songs will Paul Kelly play? Um, Deeper Water. Oh. And To Her Door. Oh, not bad. I definitely will lock in Leaps and Bounds, I think. Oh, um, yeah. Because oh, he mentions the Nilex sign in the MCG. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and Lima and I did discuss this in the previous podcast, so I'm going to lock in what we said then, which was the song with Dan Sultan. The one from the Adam Goods documentary oh, that yeah. Paul Kelly and Dan Sultan does. He gets Dan Sultan out. They sing it together. Maybe that'd be fun. Yeah. I don't um, know. I don't think that all right. Uh, 
what about uh, okay? Let's grand final tip. sprint. <laughs> no, let's tip like in the game itself. Okay, first um, first goal, Norm Smith. Yeah. Um, so first goal, who kicks the first goal? Dion Prestia. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, sorry, calling by his official title. Meatball. <laughs> yep, the human meatball, Dion Prestia. <laughs> Um, I am going to say Dustin Martin kicks the first goal of the game for Richmond. Okay. All right. Um, Norm Smith. Norm Smith. I or think. do you want to do who wins first? No, who wins? Norm Smith. What's better? Let's do who wins first. Um, I'm going to say GWS win in a massive upset, the return of Richmondy. And I'm going to say Haynes wins a Norm Smith. I am going to say that GWS also win. Ooh. But I, yeah. I mean, I just, I, I hope they win. That's what I'm really saying, yeah, yeah. is that I hope they win. I think Richmond will probably win, but I hope that GWS wins. Yeah. And this is how I think the storyline will go. Dustin Martin will kick the first goal of the game. And then DeBoer will pretty much shut down Dustin Martin for the rest of the game and he won't get another t- touch. And uh, Matt DeBoer will win the Norm Smith no. medal, not for being the best player on the ground, but for shutting down the opposition's best player on the ground and leading to the GWS win. Has that ever happened before where a tagger or even a defender has won the Norm Smith medal? Matt DeBoer, a defender, a tagger, who may not even get more than 15 possessions himself in the game. Okay, I'm going to... Matt DeBoer will get less than 15 possessions himself in the game, but he will shut... Dustin Martin down so effectively after his first goal that he kicks in the game that he will be awarded the Norm Smith medal. And that is my lock of the week. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'm going to, I don't think that's going to happen, but I, uh, I respect your, uh, I respect your, 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 um, what do you say? Your opportunity to say it, you express it. <laughs> your right to express it. I, I look. I think it's fair to say, Charlie, that for a guy who's only had two hours of sleep because you just had a baby, yeah. you've done very well to not stumble that much until we've got to this point in the podcast. I'm, so I'm actually starting to see double right now. So um, kudos okay. to you, sir. Let's do one more plug uh, for the post AF uh, post grand final show. I'm not sure if the tickets are sold out or not, but it, it's I think always there's still fun. a few left. But it's like. Come along. I, yeah. I highly recommend it. It's such a fun day. This is the fourth time we've done it now, and it's just an absolute blast. To be honest, I'm actually gutted. Like, you know, look, it's been a wonderful couple of days, and this house is filled with love. But there is a part of me that's like, oh, God damn it, because the grand final show is like my favorite live show of the year. And I did, right up until today, I had because I had my flights booked since April, and today was the day that I officially had to call Virgin and change the flight because I just sort of... Even, you know, Jem was very open to me going down. She's like, let's just see how it goes. You just go down for like, you know, less than 24 hours. Maybe we can make it work. But after the last two days, I'm like, nah, fuck. <laughs> there is no way. I would get on stage and fall asleep and then probably tumble into the front row of the crowd. So I think I'll do the Stephen Canilio. I'll put my hand up. I'll say I'm not match fit. It's going to hand it over. Give another youngster the chance at glory. Um, have we announced who the special guests are? Or is that a surprise? Uh, I, I think we will, and it will depend a bit on who wins, but there's <laughs> okay. possibilities of, you know, we, well, we've got some giant fans. Well, we can, I think we can mention Alex because Alex okay. is coming definitely. So Alex Williams, who's done this podcast before, he's been a feeling for me on this. And so he's our go-to GWS fan and he's going and, to appear on the podcast. And the great thing about Alex is he's, he is perfectly positioned because famously Alex was a Tiger supporter 
right up until 2016 and decided to switch to the Giants the year before the Tigers won the flag. So win or lose, you're going to get a great story. You're either going to get a guy who's made the right decision or you're going to get a story about a guy who switched teams and then watched his old team win two flags in three years. <laughs> And yeah, and look, we'll we'll rope in a whole bunch of you know friends and guests and all these sort of things, uh, depending on what happens on the weekend. So it's always a brilliantly fun day, and uh, I'm 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 with Charlie. It's one of those days that is just brilliantly. It's fun to be involved in, and it's a great celebration the day after the grand final for everybody there and people wear their footy colours and come along and we have a really good time. So uh, that is on Sunday at the European Beer Cafe. Uh, go to the try booking link and uh, get some tickets for that. Okay, Uh, everyone, enjoy your grand final weekend. Go Giants, play on, not 15. Ball. We are two guys, one car.